Welcome or welcome back to The Sonia Looney Show, a podcast where I go in deep with some of the world's experts in the fields of mindset, nutrition, and psychology. This is episode 18, and here's a snippet from Brian P. Moran, this week's guest. Your future is being created right now by the actions you're taking. You want to predict the future? I like to say, look to your daily actions. I mean, think about that. If you want to know what your health is going to be like three years from today, you look to your daily actions. If you want to know what your relationships are going to be like three years from today, look to your daily actions. You want to know what your income, your career, your business is going to be like three years from today, look to your daily actions because that's what's creating your future. Brian Moran has over 30 years of experience as a CEO, corporate executive for companies like PepsiCo and UPS, is an entrepreneur, consultant, and coach. He's also a New York Times best-selling author about his book, The 12-Week Year. And guess what? He wrote the book in 12 weeks. I came across The 12-Week Year about a year ago, actually, and this book is about how to set goals in a periodized manner. So as athletes, we look at our training in terms of periodization, but we often don't apply that to our goal setting. And in his book, he talks about how to set goals and execute them within 12 weeks instead of looking at a year as a one-year calendar period because often people fail at their goals because of how they're setting them. In this podcast, we talk about why goals fail, what holds us back from our goals, how to prioritize goal setting, the power of vision, and so much more. It's taking action on our goals that is the most important part. It's execution. And Brian says that the reason why people don't achieve great things in their life is from lack of execution. And I know I've been in that situation where I've set a goal and I want to do it, but the hardest part is actually getting started. And a great example is this podcast. It took me a little while to build enough momentum to actually get started, but once I did, it got rolling and it's been really fun ever since. So if you're looking at your life and you're looking at some goals that you're trying to take on or maybe some goals that you had tried before and that maybe you failed at, this is a really great podcast on that. And also, I'd recommend this podcast just because we talk about the psychology of how to get going in your life, the psychology behind setting a commitment, following through, and a lot more exciting topics. In the book, The 12-Week Year, it goes over how to redefine the year and how to throw out the annual plan, how to break down your goals and look at them one week at a time and to how to confront your truths, and how to actually execute. He actually has a full execution system, a workbook, and really just breaks down your goals into achievable bites. The hardest thing for me with following a 12-week system was I wanted to set way more goals than recommended. So he only recommends setting two to three goals per 12-week period, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it actually requires a lot to execute on your goals. And oftentimes we get overwhelmed because we just take on way too much, and I definitely fall in that category. But that's enough for me. Let's get into it. Let's hear from Brian. I think you'll really enjoy this show. Here is Brian P. Moran on the 12-week year. Hey, Brian, how's it going? I'm good. I'm doing well. Where are you right now? I am in a little town in northern Michigan called Traverse City. We have a cottage on Lake Michigan, and so we spend a lot of time up here. Cool. Yeah, I've actually been to Michigan before. Uh, There's a race called the Lumberjack 100 that's outside Grand Rapids, and 
everyone from Michigan that I've met has been just so excited and so proud to be from Michigan and so welcoming. It's interesting. You know, most people that haven't been to Michigan think of Detroit. And for years, Detroit struggled. It's, it's coming back, but there's so much more to Michigan than just Detroit, especially when you get like Grand Rapids is a cool city. And then you get north, the lakes and all that. It's just it's phenomenal. That's really cool. Yeah. And there, there's also some really great mountain biking in Michigan. But so where do you normally live? I live outside of East Lansing, uh-huh. right in the middle of the state yeah, on a horse farm in Williamston. Cool. And like, what's your background? Like, we're going to get into your book, The 12 Week Year. But how did you kind of get into writing books? You know, I didn't set out to write a book. I was doing a consulting practice, working with CEOs of small companies and actually going to a conference that we were going to be a vendor at and wanted something to give away. So I wrote Periodization, 12 Weeks to Breakthrough, which is the precursor to the 12-week year, 48-page book, no frills, no thrills, and uh, self-published it. Went to that conference. I think we printed 100 and we sold them. And from that, we sold 100,000 copies and the whole thing took off. And then big publisher out of New York, Wiley, wanted to publish it. And so that's how we came up with the, the current book. That's amazing. And yeah, I know that self-publishing can be a daunting thing. I've actually thought about self-publishing a book myself. And yeah, like that's awesome that you kind of just went after that. And did you kind of apply some of the things that you've talked about in your book to the process of self-publishing your first book? Yeah, you'll like this. We wrote the book in 12 weeks. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty cool. Awesome. So you had this first book come out and then you decided now I need to need to create a precursor and you got a publisher. So I love the idea of periodization and a lot of my listeners are athletes and there are familiar with periodization in athletic training. So you took periodization and you applied it to business and goal setting. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I'd love to. So we were working with clients on this whole notion of execution and really working with the fundamentals, which uh, if you've read our book, you'll see we talk about them as a set of disciplines and principles. But even with that, we were running into this issue of in an annual cycle, which everybody works in, there's just this illusion of lots of time. So people would still procrastinate, put things off. And in the end, they hit their goals, but they left all this capacity on the table, which you cannot go back and recover. And so at the time, one of our clients was into cycling. He came to me and said, hey, are you familiar with periodization? And I, and I remember it from college when I was lifting. But he was following the U.S. Postal Team and how they were using periodization. And, and so my business partner, Mike Lennington, I looked at and we said, you know what, that, that's the missing link for what we're doing and helping people perform at their best. Because in a 12-month cycle, there's no urgency. There's no urgency till the last 12 weeks of the year. <laughs> and, and so we looked at periodization again from an athletic standpoint and borrowed from it the things that would work in a business setting or in a personal setting. And that's how the 12-week year was born. Cool. So did you find out some that most people start on their goals the last 12 weeks of the year? Is that kind of why you chose 12 weeks? You know, they don't start on them. They'll start on them in January, but they put things off. You know, so one of the things that is really important is that we understand what we control and what we don't control. You know, the, the goals are outcomes. We don't control the outcomes. What we control are the actions. And that's what gets put off. And if you put that all off long enough, then accomplishing the goal becomes impossible or next impossible. So, you know, with the 12-week year, there's just a healthy sense of urgency on taking the important actions more frequently. And so people are just more consistent with the things that matter most. And that's really how we're able to help people accelerate their success. It's not about taking everything you would do in 12 months and trying to cram it into 12 weeks. It's really about figuring out what matters most 
and just being more consistent with that activity. Yeah. So you're talking about prioritization of what's important to you. And like, how do you figure that out? Because I know for me, when the new year comes around, I actually try not to set new year's resolutions because it seems like they always fail. But how do you prioritize? Because I know that for me and for a lot of people, you'll have all these different things that you want to accomplish. And our tendency is to overcommit and to write down way too many goals. And then you end up failing because you you can't possibly take on quite that much. So how do you prioritize what those goals are? And how do you have the discipline to only set a few goals per 12 weeks? It's a great question, because what you described is really demoralizing, isn't it? And, yes. and, and it's a recipe for mediocrity, right? Make a little bit of progress across the broad spectrum. So that's where we get into the five fundamentals or disciplines. And the first is vision. If, if you don't know what you want to create in your life, there's no way to know what the priorities are in terms of actions. So, and we don't start with your business or your career. We start with your personal life. What do you want your life to look like three to five years from now? And by the way, what would great look like? God willing, you're going to be here. Let's make it great. And then we look to your career, or your business and say, okay, what needs to happen there to align and enable that? And that's what starts to flesh out the priorities is really that that longer term vision. And it's the why, it's the motivation, right? If it's not compelling, if it's not an emotional connection there, then taking the action is going to be difficult because in the moment when it's time to act on that, you know, I'm going to gravitate towards what's more comfortable and what's more familiar. So we start with helping people develop a compelling vision for their life and then for their career and income and then we bring that near term and set a 12 week goal that aligns with that. And so in some cases, you know, depending on what you might set your goals, they might be directly related to the vision or they might be indirectly related. What I mean by that is, you know, there are a number of things in my vision that in order to make them happen takes financial resources, takes money. So, you know, if I set a goal in my business of earning so much that is a proxy for me accomplishing some of the vision things that I want. Like this cottage, for instance, right? That was in, it was part of my wife's duty and my vision at some point. And, you know, at first it seemed pretty daunting because where we're at, the road we're on and the spot we're at, there's about 14 cottages and they never come up for sale. And if they do, they're bought internally and they're very expensive. But one of the things I realized is that, you know, in my business, my income wasn't capped. So I was able to connect the dots between things I do in my business to drive income and having a cottage, for instance. And so there are aspects of the vision that the business success or career success will enable. And then there are other pieces of it that you just go after directly. But what you have to remember is 12 weeks is a very short period of time. So because people are used to planning annually, they want to try and take on more than what's realistic. And so we recommend one or two, maybe three goals at most, especially in your first 12-week year. Because when you follow the disciplines and the process and you map out the actions in a granular way, you're going to see that there's a lot more work than there appears in most cases. So a 12-week year is about being great at a few things versus being mediocre at many. Cool, yeah. And whenever you're talking about vision, a lot of times people don't believe in themselves enough. Like they... Or they believe in themselves too much. So it's really hard to come up with a goal or a vision that is the right amount of challenge. And if it's not scaring you a little bit, it's probably not worth going after. But then there's also people that set goals that are probably not going to happen in that short period of a time. So what do you do to craft a vision that is attainable, but that's also a, a stretch? And how do you come up with the confidence to say, yeah, like I actually believe in myself enough that I can achieve that. 
It's a great question. So the way we do it is we take a couple slices at it. So the first is what we would call long-term aspirational, 5, 10, 15 years in the future. And, and it does tend to be more aspirational. And, and that's where the vision should be a little uncomfortable, should be a little scary at times, and will be a pretty significant stretch. Then we bring that near term to 36 months. And that's where it starts to tighten up a little bit. And, you know, in 10, 15 years, I can own the world. In 36 months, I start to get, you know, the realistic starts to play a bigger role in the whole conversation. And then we bring that near term to 12 weeks and we align a goal with that. So, and what really determines, Sonia, the amount that I can stretch on the goal is, am I willing to do the tactics or the actions? Because again, we don't control the outcomes, we control the actions. And goals are outcomes, tactics are actions. So how much I can stretch on the goal, which I don't control anyways, is really determined to a large extent by am I willing to do the actions and am I willing to do them consistently? That's the cost of being great. That's the cost of accomplishing the goal. It's not setting it. It's not the uncomfortableness of the goal or any of that. It's the willingness to take the action consistently day in and day out. Yeah. And I think that that action is tied to the process of commitment and whether it's a commitment or a promise. And we've talked about commitment on the podcast before, but what's the best way for people to actually stick to their commitments? Because it's really easy. And we've all been there, including myself saying, I want to do this. I'm going to do this every single day. But then you lose your integrity whenever you don't do it. So what are ways to stay committed to your goal? Yeah, a couple things. One is don't have too many right? Because you can't be committed to everything. The, the second is you have to make sure that there's a strong desire. So what you want to do is connect with the benefits of accomplishing goal. What's going to be different for you in 12 weeks from now when you accomplish that goal, both materially and esoterically, right? What's that going to do for my self-image? What's that enable me to do for my family or myself? You know, what's that do for my income and all the other things that go along with that? But then it's really identifying the key actions. And we're always looking for keystone actions. Keystone actions are the, the one action or the two actions that will have the greatest effect. And doesn't mean it's all I have to do, but they have the greatest effect on me hitting the goal. And a lot of the other actions tend to come along in the wake, if you will. So once we identify what those are, then we count the costs. So what are the costs of me taking that action on a consistent basis? What am I going to need to sacrifice in order to be consistent with that action? Everything from my comfort to, you know, overcoming a mindset that says I'm unworthy or I don't deserve it to a mindset that says, boy, I deserve some downtime and some leisure time. And, you know, to the other things that can get in the way of me taking that action and really listing those out. And then Sonia determining, am I willing to pay that cost? Now, the cool thing about the 12 week year is we're talking about paying that cost for 12 weeks, not 12 months, not a lifetime, but for 12 weeks. Am I willing to forego, you know, the cheesecake and, the <laughs> and some of that other stuff in order to lose 10 pounds? Am I willing to get up in the morning and work out four days a week? You know, those types of activities might be, if I set a goal to lose some weight, those are some of the activities that might show up. And what I got to do is count the cost of the activities and then really reconcile, am I willing to pay it or not? And if I'm not, then the reality is I'm not committed. I'm really interested. And that's not a bad thing. It's good to know that. So I don't waste time, energy, and effort thinking I'm committed. I just move on because it's really not that important. Then. Yeah, I think the hard part is if you're in that situation where you think you are committed to something and then you realize that you're not being flexible enough to say, okay, I'm actually not committed to this. I need to reshift my focus. But it's also hard to draw the line to say, 
am I not committed or am I just kind of in that that low point of setting a goal? And I know in your book, you have a little graph of that. When you're setting a goal and you're working towards something, you're excited at first, but then the reality sinks in and paying all those costs that you just mentioned. And now maybe you don't want to get up in the morning anymore. It's been four weeks. You're Maybe you're losing a little bit of weight. You're seeing some progress and that's the easiest time to give up. So how do you, number one, how do you figure out how to push through those low moments? And number two, how do you decide if that's lack of commitment or it's just that it's really hard right now, but you do want to keep going? Yeah. So part of it is going back to weighing the costs, right? So when we list out all the costs of taking the action, then we consciously reconcile that. Am I willing to pay those costs or not? Once I make the decision that I am, I don't second guess it. So if I say, look, I'm willing to pay the cost for the next 12 weeks, when the alarm goes off at 5 a.m., I don't get in the conversation with myself that, man, you know, I'm tired today. I should sleep in. And then the next thought is, yeah, but you committed to getting up and working out. Yeah, but I've been pretty, you know, that conversation doesn't even happen because I made the decision on the front end of it. And then what we learn to do is we act on our commitments. So because there will be days you don't feel like it. But again, we're not saying it's a lifetime. It's for 12 weeks and you can do anything for 12 weeks. So once you make the commitment, you don't give yourself an emotional out. It's a done deal. I'm willing to pay this price for the next 12 weeks, which means, you know, when the alarm goes off at five o'clock, I'm getting up. Doesn't matter if I went to bed at three o'clock, I'm getting up. And the more you do that, the more you exercise that commitment muscle. But it's, there'll be days when it's not easy, right? I mean, it's just, it's just not. So that's where peer support and some other things come into play that help you stay in the game when the game's difficult. Lots of studies show if you've got a couple people that you're talking to weekly about how you're doing against your goal and how you're doing with your actions, you'll perform better. And we've seen that with the 12-week year with thousands of people using the system. If they've got, we call it a weekly accountability meeting, if they've got accountability meeting going with a couple other folks, they'll stay in the game. Yeah, I definitely think that accountability helps. And saying out loud what your goal is will help you move in that direction. And for me, like starting this podcast was one of those things. I wanted to start a podcast, but I was kind of dragging my feet about it, yada, yada, yada. But I started telling people I was going to do it. And I started writing it down and saying, I'm committed to doing this every single week, period, regardless if I'm in Colombia or like where I I just did a race there. My podcast came out when I was racing because I made a commitment to it. And having people to talk to about it was really helpful. But I think it's hard for people to find accountability partners because number one, they're afraid that if they ask, hey, can we have this meeting every week? They feel weird about that. And also it's hard to be vulnerable and open yourself up to criticism to people whenever you're trying to set a goal. So what's a great way for somebody to set an accountability meeting every week? And how do you find those people that are going to be really good supporters, but also that aren't going to let you off the hook? Yeah, the first is to understand what accountability is and isn't. You know, so most people assume accountability is consequences. Everywhere it's referred to in society, that's what it's related to, negative consequences, right? We're going to hold this person accountable. And and that's not (laughs) accountability. That's consequences. So first thing they need to do is read our chapter on accountability and realize that accountability is not consequences, it's ownership. So as you look for accountability partners, you're not looking for someone to hold you accountable because honestly, that's the least accountable thing you could say. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Uh, What you're looking for is someone that you're willing to be transparent and honest with and someone that will challenge you and encourage you. So 
you know, we have a, we as a team meet in our accountability meeting every Monday, we had it today at nine o'clock. And it's just one of those things that it's, it's peer to peer. I'm the CEO, but it doesn't matter if I didn't execute well last week, someone's going to say, okay, Brian, you know, what are you going to do different this week? What got in the way? And so we're challenging one another, but we're encouraging one another. There's never any, cause it's not their burden to perform. It's yours. Right. And so all they're doing is agreeing to be in a relationship with you where we're going to be honest with one another and report out how we're doing and challenge one another. But we're not trying to hold each other accountable. We're holding each other capable, right? We're confronting each other with the choices and the consequences. And Because here's the reality, Sonia. The world in the marketplace is pretty harsh, right? It doesn't care that your car's in the shop. It doesn't care that your cat got <laughs> ran over, your grandma's in the hospital or any of that, right? If it takes these actions to accomplish the goal that you said you wanted to accomplish, then that's what it takes, and so part of that, one of the reasons why the 12-week year is so effective is because you can't hide. And mostly you can't hide from yourself in that there's a very clear line of sight between the actions and what I said I want, my goals and my vision. And so if I'm not taking those actions, my only other choice is to go back to my vision and dumb it down, right? I, I either step up and do the action or I settle for less in life. Those are the only choices I have. And so the 12-week year will confront you with that. That's why it's really important that you have some other people to encourage you because I don't care how good you are, you're going to have weeks where you stumble. And, you know, you're going to have weeks where it doesn't go so well. <laughs> and so you need a couple people around you that say, okay, Sonia, that's okay. It's just one week. Let's shake it off. Let's get back to work in the plan and let's stay with it. You're never going to go more than 12 weeks before we stop the world and we reassess and, and we lock and load and go again. So... It's really about determining the best course of action. There is no perfect plan, but determining the best course of action and then getting into the marketplace and succeeding or failing as fast as you can and taking that feedback and tightening it up. But that peer support group is important. So you find people that they may not be your best friends. Uh, they don't need to be. You find people that have aspirations of their own and they're willing to enter into a relationship where you're just going to be candid and honest with one another, and that are, they're willing to make a commitment to a 15-minute phone call once a week for 12 weeks. It's not forever. It's not for 12 months. It may go on a lot longer than that, but what we commit to is 12 weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the hardest thing for people is to be honest with themselves, because they'll say, how am I doing? And then they won't always be honest, because it's hard. It's hard to, to say, Maybe I'm not showing up in the way that I wanted to show up, or maybe I'm not accomplishing things on the level that I wanted to. And what does that mean about me? And I think that having that honest peer support is helpful because if you start feeling bad about yourself, then they're there to say, no, like, look at your process, look at all these steps that you're taking and stop focusing on that end result, right? Yeah. If you focus too much on the outcome, it becomes paralyzing because we don't control the outcome. If you're clear on the outcome and you hold it lightly, but you're really focused in on the actions, then, you know, the best thing you can do when you're feeling bad about yourself is take that action yeah. because that's, that's, what's going to change your future. You know, your, your future is being created right now by the actions you're taking. You want to predict the future. I like to say, look to your daily actions. I mean, think about that. If you want to know what your health is going to be like three years from today, you look to your daily actions. If you want to know what your relationships are going to be like three years from today, look to daily actions. You want to know what your income, your career, your business is going to be like three years from today, look to daily actions because that's what's creating your future. And when the focus is too much on the outcome, which we don't control, it becomes paralyzing. It becomes demoralizing. 
Yeah. So what do you think holds us back the most from achieving these goals? So we have commitment, we have accountability, but there's still something that holds people back. They might have all those things and they're working in that direction, but there's still that last little bit that holds them back. Yeah. My experience is the biggest barrier is that we're wired for comfort. Mm-hmm. You know, we all seek comfort to some degree. And if you're going to create a different result, you're going to have to do things differently and do different things. I mean, you're going to have to do things you've never done. Which And every time you do that, I mean, there's a level of discomfort that comes with that. There's a level of uncertainty. There's a level of anxiety. And that is why most people tend to choose what's comfortable and familiar. They choose pleasurable activity over pleasurable results. It's why at the end of the year, people are relatively, you know, the same as they were the year before. Even with all the goals they set and everything else, they'll be within five pounds of what they weighed prior. They'll have the same friends. They'll have about the same income. They'll have, you know, so much of it never changes because we don't choose new activity. We don't choose the new things that are uncomfortable. We gravitate towards what we know. Yeah. And choosing growth isn't always, like you said, it's not always easy. You could be getting out of that familiar rut and building a new path, but if you stop forging ahead and you start sleeping in or you you just start going back to what was easy, then all that work that you did kind of pushes you back. And it almost makes it harder, I think, whenever you want to push back in that direction. It absolutely does. And here's the other thing. You know, you can do all that hard work that's new and it may not move the needle. That's what gets so challenging. But if you stay in the game, and this is where the 12-week year is really helpful and you apply it as a system, you'll know where to adjust. Because if we're not hitting the goal... So you know, the breakdown's in one of two places. It, it can only be there. It's either in the planned content, right? I don't have the right tactics or actions, or it's in the execution. I'm not doing it at a high enough level. And 90% of the time, it's the execution. But most people, when they're not hitting the goal, what do they do? They change the plan. So you need to know where that breakdown is to be able to adjust. And the cool thing is, what we found is you don't have to be perfect on the execution side. 80, 85% or higher week in and week out. And in most cases, you'll accomplish the goals. So what that speaks to is you have to have the courage to measure your results and score your execution. So our clients actually have an execution score on a weekly basis, somewhere between zero and 100 percent. And that's the predictor, right? If you're 80 plus percent, 85 percent or higher week in and week out, again, in most cases, you're going to hit the goal. If you're lower than that, it doesn't mean you won't hit the goal. It's just the odds of you hitting the goal are less. Yeah, definitely. I think the hard part is actually sitting down and and doing that scoring, like taking the time to do the scoring. Like it takes a lot of discipline to actually do that. And for me, that's where I have failed is actually sitting down and saying, okay, what percent? Because in my mind, when I started doing this, I thought, well, that's just a waste of time. I know how I'm doing, but it is important to sit down. And I've started actually doing the scoring as well. Yeah. If you score in your head, it won't be anywhere close to how you're actually doing. I, I've heard that thousands of times. And then we get people scoring. You know, we talk about Ann Lofton in her book, and she had a 400% increase on a six-figure salary. And she'll tell you, she swore she was doing what she was supposed to be doing. But when we wrote it down, she started scoring her execution. She found out she wasn't doing it nearly as consistently as she could. And just by being more consistent, she had that kind of increase. So, But you're right. It takes courage. That's why your vision has to matter. Because there are weeks when that score is going to really sting. It doesn't look very good. But the 12-week year is a guilt-free zone. We don't, we don't use that to beat ourselves up. It is simply to look back and say, okay, how do I do better than I did last week? What, right? Where did last week get away from me? How do I make sure that doesn't happen this week? That's what that score is. And knowing that you know, if I'm in the 80%, I can have a high degree of confidence that I'm going to hit the goal so I can stay with the plan. Otherwise, 
you know, again, if we're just tracking results, results are lag. And oftentimes people abandon the plan before the results ever start to show. Yeah, I think that now's a good time to kind of do a bird's eye view of what the 12-week year system is, because you and I definitely know, but I, I'm sitting thinking like, huh, people might hear 12 weeks, but they still don't really know what to do in those 12 weeks. So can we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, you bet. So the 12-week year is a system at 30,000 foot view is, is just designed to help you get more of what you want faster. And we do it with a focus on execution because our experience is that it's not enough to know. Right? You can have great ideas, you can be really smart, you can have, be well-connected and have all kinds of resources. If you don't execute, it doesn't matter. And that's true in your personal life as well. So everything we do with the 12-week year is designed to help you accomplish more of what you want faster through a focus on execution. And the 12 weeks is the year. So there aren't four of those in the year. That's annualized thinking. There's this 12-week year followed by the next and so on. So that every 12 weeks, there's a hard line in the sand, which causes to act with a little more urgency every week. And then we bundled that with a set of disciplines and principles that are fundamental. So there's five disciplines, vision, 12-week planning, process control, scorekeeping, time use. And then three principles, accountability, commitment, greatness in the moment. And it's really, when it's applied as a system, honestly, it becomes a self-correcting system in that you get better. You can't help but get better because it has everything you need to get better. And so it's really about understanding how to create division, how to build out a tactical 12-week plan using the elements of process control, which is a weekly plan and that peer support we talked about. You know, having the courage to measure, tracking your lead and lag indicators, scoring your execution, and then aligning your time with what matters most. So we use a time blocking system to do that. And then it's wrapped in the principles of accountability as ownership, commitment, and greatness in the moment. And that really is the 12-week year as a system. Right. So someone can like set their goal. They write down like their two or three main goals in 12 weeks. And then they can write down the steps that need to be taken to get to those goals. And then they can break those down into weekly and daily practices and actions that need to be done to achieve those goals. Yeah, pretty close. So once you set the goal, you build out the tactical plan and Here's where 12-week planning varies from traditional planning in a big way in that traditional plans tend to be directional more than tactical. And what we want to do is we want to get very tactical, which means we spell out the action. So a tactic is a statement that describes an action that you can take. So uh, make more calls is not a tactic. Get referrals is not a tactic. You know, I'm thinking of things in a sales environment. But you want to get very granular with it and spell out the steps. So if my goal was to lose weight, my tactic wouldn't be exercise. It wouldn't be eat better. I'd break it down. It would be, you know, work out three days a week, 60 minutes with weights, do cardio twice a week for 30 minutes or more, order superfoods, take superfoods daily, right? Download Weight Watchers app, track food intake daily. Those are all separate steps that I would build out potential plan to help me lose weight. And but I want to get very granular. And most people don't get that granular. One, they haven't been taught to plan that way. And two, it gets a little uncomfortable because, you know, there's no wiggle room in that. It's back to that accountability and commitment piece, right? As I start to spell all that out, there's nowhere for me to hide. But if you really want to accomplish your goals, that's the way the plan has to be built. It has to be a tactical plan because concepts and direction doesn't execute. Tactics execute. Yeah, and I think that being specific with those goals gives you something to score yourself on. Because if you're not specific enough, then how are you supposed to score yourself? Right, right. Yep. 
Yeah. So the hardest part I think about the execution is the time management. And I like that you have time management blocks in your book. And I'd like to talk about those and how to balance the energy of having all these different moving parts during your day and how to actually stick to them. Yeah. So here's a question. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'm going to, if that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) So what's the first thing you need to know to be effective with your time? What you're spending your time doing. Not quite. It's an important one. It's not the first one. Cool. Uh, How much time you have available to spend? No, not quite. Those are important though, but it's not the first thing. The first thing you need to know is what do you want? That's a vision question. Mm Mm-hmm. If you don't know that, you can't be effective with your time. The next thing you need to know is what matters most. That's the planning question. The next thing you need to know is are you doing it? That's the process control execution question. The next thing you know, is it producing? That's a scorekeeping question. So there's even a sequencing to the disciplines before you can be effective with your time. And so if those other pieces aren't in place, I would argue that it's impossible to be effective. You might be more efficient, but you're going to be more efficient with the stuff that doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that happens in the 12-week year is, you know, we take that 12-week plan, it translates to a weekly plan. Now, here's the cool thing. The weekly plan doesn't have everything you do. It doesn't even have everything in your 12-week plan. It just has what's due in your 12-week plan this particular week. So in a sense, it's like a one-twelfth slice of your 12-week plan. But what's powerful about that, Sonia, is by default, that's the most important stuff you have this week. Because those are the things you said mattered most in hitting the goal at the end of 12 weeks which is aligned with you living your longer-term vision. So by default, what's in that weekly plan are the priorities for the week. Everything else, honestly, everything else is secondary. So when we start to block our time, you know, we block it knowing what matters most each week, that it's designed to get us our goal, which is designed with what we want in the long term. So at the tactic level two in the plan, we're looking for the critical few, not a long laundry list, but what are the least number of tactics to accomplish the goal? So on a weekly basis, then we know that that weekly plan contains what matters most because I'm not creating that out of the blue on a weekly basis. I'm just going to my 12-week plan and pulling what's due in this particular week. So I'm in week three. I'm just looking for tactics that are due in week three and anything I didn't get done in week one or two. And those are my priorities for the week. Mm-hmm. So That sounds simple and it is, but it's incredibly powerful because it lowers the stress. When I know that this handful of stuff matters most and everything else is secondary, now I know how to win the week. If I win the week and I do that for 12 weeks, I win the year. Yeah. And I think that knowing that you have time allocated during each day to spend doing certain things is helpful because then you're not haphazardly multitasking and like the best example I can think of is email (laughs) and all of us have now especially with our smartphones like I've been guilty of checking my email like every 30 minutes and like responding and interrupting myself and having a block in my day or, or multiple blocks in my day where I know it's during this time during the day when I'm checking my email and I'm not checking my email outside those boxes I think that that's a really powerful way to keep you on task whenever you're doing other things because it's so easy to have these big tasks that you want to do and then you kind of do these other little things that don't really matter that much that end up distracting you. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes that stuff is avoidance activity, right? Boy, <laughs> yes. I, I got to pick up the phone and make an outbound call. Boy, I better check my email, you know? I better <laughs> check my somebody, somebody must need to talk to me. You know, so so you have to know where you go to avoid. We all do it. 
but it's really understanding that the most important activities, they're not necessarily big. You say big activities. They're not big in the sense that they're a series of actions. They're individual actions. They're big in the sense that they're probably uncomfortable. And that's the stuff in the plan. Because again, if it's designed to get me where I haven't gone, which means it's probably stuff I haven't done before. So by default, there's some level of discomfort there. And it's much easier to go check my email or my voicemail or return a few calls or you know, a little water cooler talk than it is to deal with some of those actions. And I can choose to do that. But with the 12 week year, you're going to have to then go back and dumb down your vision in life because, you know, there are no have tos. It's always choice. You only have to do this stuff if you want to live the life you say you want to live. If not, then let's reconcile that. But it's going to confront you with that day in and day out. Yeah. And I think that the busy versus productive conversation, like, are you busy when you're checking your email or you're talking to people by the water cooler, but you're not actually being productive for the things that you said were important to you for your vision? Absolutely. Technology can make anyone feel busy. (laughs) But busy doesn't mean, like you said, productive or successful. It just means busy. In fact, it'll consume you and keep you busy all the time where you never have time to think about you know, is my life going the way I want it to? And it's a great avoidance activity. It's also a great escape activity when I don't really want to face the reality of what's happening. Yeah. And I also love that uh, in your blocks, you have a block that's meant for leisure time and the importance of that. And one of the last podcasts I released was a book called Peak Performance by Brad Stolberg and Steve Magnus. And it was all about how important it is to take the time to rest and get time away from work so that you can be more productive when you actually are working. Yeah, absolutely. In a sense, the 12-week year is a a rest-run cycle as well. So every 12 weeks is the end of the year. It's a chance to celebrate. It's a chance to take time off. It's a chance to regroup and then lock and load and go again. So it's built into that system in so many different ways, including the weekly, what we call breakout block, which is time away. And and most importantly, time away emotionally as much as physically. Yeah. And I think the emotional part is hard because it's easy to step away from your computer or whatever you're doing, but then you might be with people, but still be thinking about work and you're not being present during your breakout block. Right. Right. So really under being intentional about that. And here's the thing. If you're productive the rest of the time, those that becomes easier because it becomes more guilt free because, you know, the other stuff, you know, you're paying the price when you're supposed to be paying the price. You're not avoiding the, the tough activity. Yeah. And I think that this also kind of comes down to that concept of balance and how balance in life actually does not exist. Like people are like, oh, I, I just want more life balance. And I like the quote in your book. It said, life balance is not about equal time in each area. Life balance is more about intentional imbalance. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, it, it is this notion that we're kind of led to believe that life balance is equal time in equal areas. And even if you could make that happen, which I don't think you can, I'm not sure it would you know, generate the kind of life we think it will. And so it's really about being intentional with it, right? There's different seasons. There's different things that you know matter. Some things matter more than others. So that whole notion of intentional imbalance is just being intentional about where we're spending our time and how much we're spending our time in the different areas. And as opposed to just letting it happen and then running out a day, running out a week and feeling like, wow, you know, I never get any time for myself or I never have any time for this or that. So it's really being intentional on the front end that says, you know, here's the type of time I'm willing to invest in this area and this much in this area, that type of thing. 
Yeah, I think also kind of moving on from that is journaling. And I can't remember if there's a lot about journaling in your book specifically. I know that there's a lot about writing down what your goals are. But for people who are maybe wanting to try the 12-week year and who are going to check out your book, which is going to be in the show notes, what are some questions that people can start with if they want to journal about their vision or about why they're doing this? Like, What are some specific things that they can answer or try to figure out? I'll tell you what, I'll go one step better. I'll give you a free resource if you want. Yeah, great. Uh, if you go to 12weekyear.com forward slash getting started, yep. 12weekyear.com, 12weekyear.com forward slash getting started. You get three emails from me. The first will be about vision and planning. So it'll give you some exercises to help you kind of create that vision at two levels. It'll give you, it'll really help you understand the difference between goals and tactics and how to write good goals and write good tactics and give you some sample plans. Three days later, you'll get the second email, which will be about process control and scorekeeping. Three days after that, you'll get the third and final email, which is about time blocking, performance time. So it'll give them really everything they need to get started with the 12-week year to create a vision, to set some goals, to build out a plan, and then to use what we call process control to execute that plan on a daily, weekly basis. That's awesome. And you guys also have an online tool as well, right? Yeah, we do. We have an app for it and we have a lot of resources. We do one-on-one and small group coaching. And so, you know, if we can be of any help at all, just reach out to us. 12weekyear.com is the place you can find that stuff and certainly connect with us. That's awesome. And what's your favorite success story? I mean, you've worked with CEOs and people from all over the place trying to achieve their goals using these systems. So can you share with the audience your favorite or your most inspired story that you've had? You know, that's a tough question because we have like, I don't know how many of them, (laughs) certainly hundreds and every day it changes. And so one that I recall though was gentleman who's in financial services and insurance. And in that business, it's typical that they wait to the end of the year and then they go like crazy to try and hit the goal. So November, December is a very stressed out time for those folks. And this gentleman had been using the 12-week year and he and his wife had adopted a baby. And at a time when most of his peers were pulling their hair out to try and hit their sales goals and keep their benefits and all the things that go along with that, he was able to take November and December off to be home with his wife and his new baby. And to me, that's really cool because the 12-week year, most people, most of our clients use the 12-week year not only in their business, but in their personal life as well. So when you see it intersect in that way, it's really heartwarming and inspiring. Yeah, like it's improving the quality of life, not only in goal setting, but just in general, it's making your life a lot better. Right, because work isn't life. It's just a part of it. And so, you know, using the 12-week year in your personal life as well as your career is where it has its maximum effect. And oftentimes, Sonia, it kicks in quicker on on the personal side. Our example of losing weight, you know, I don't need to get a bunch of other people on board with that, right? So much of that is in my direct control where, you know, my career, maybe not so much. It's dependent on other people along the way as well. So we really encourage people to, in addition to a career business goal, to set at least one personal goal every 12 weeks. Yeah, that's awesome. And yeah, like I said, this podcast was a byproduct of the 12 week year. Like that was the first example I used using your book of starting the show and it was really helpful and it's been going really well. So thank you for providing that. Yeah, that's great to hear that. Cool. Well, thanks so much for your time. And I hope that you enjoy the rest of your time up in Traverse City. 
Well, we're, we're planning on it. So we're, <laughs> it's peak summertime in Michigan and it's a short season. So we're on the beach and we're, we're having fun. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Brian. Sonia, thank you and look forward to connecting with you again sometime. Cool. That was such an awesome conversation with Brian. I love his insight about setting goals because so many of us have set goals and then kind of just fell off the planet whenever we're trying to achieve them. So having a system where you can actually stick to the plan, hold yourself accountable, surround yourself with people who are going to support you, and feeling like you're not overwhelmed because you have too much on your plate with your goals is really powerful. Check out Brian's book, The 12-Week Year. It's linked up in my show notes, and it has a lot of really great workbook-type things in it, so it's not just about reading, it's about taking action. And I love his three principles, accountability, commitment, and greatness in the moment, and that's definitely hashed out more in the book. My favorite quote in the book is, life balance is not about equal time in each area. Life balance is more about intentional imbalance. And that's something that has been sticking with me and I actually don't believe in balance either. And there are times where you have to have more focus in one area than another. So I like saying intentional imbalance because it makes you feel like you're more in control. Thank you so much for coming back week after week and listening to the show. And thank you for going back and listening to older episodes. I get to see the statistics of each episode and it's really encouraging whenever I see people actually listen to one episode and then go check out some of the other ones because we have a variety of guests on the show with a bunch of different topics that are hopefully bringing value to you. And that's why I do this is I want to spread positivity. I want to spread good information and having something that you can listen to has been really helpful for me. So Your ears is one of the most important senses in your body and being able to put good stuff in your ears that you can implement in your daily life and that maybe you can find a little bit more inspiration is a really awesome thing. If maybe audio isn't quite your thing and you're feeling a little bit behind, I have a monthly newsletter and you can sign up on my website. There's a prompt that comes up as soon as you log into sonyalooney.com and I'm trying to be a little bit more diligent about the newsletter, but there's no spam in it. It's either information or stories on events that I just did or things that I'm thinking about, like a blog post and occasionally some products because on my website, sonyalooney.com shop, I have items that I'm working on and adding and there's gonna be a lot more going on there this fall. And I really appreciate all of your support. Those of you who have purchased the effing magical unicorn socks, there's now a sign-up sheet for that. I have stem caps with some fun and inspirational messages for your bike and gloves and water bottles and more. So definitely check out that. And also, thank you very much to those of you who have gone on Patreon and have supported the show financially. Patreon is a website where you can use crowdfunding to support a project. And I know not everybody's heard of it. I had never heard of Patreon until I listened to a podcast. So most of us know what crowdfunding is. And a lot of podcasts sell ads to cover the production costs of the show, which can be quite high. I'm not a huge fan of ads. It's kind of annoying to me when I'm listening to other people's podcasts and these ads come up and I understand why they do it because that's one way to monetize your podcast to cover your costs. But I'm trying to make this podcast an ad-free zone. I've become eligible for selling ads on my podcast, but I've turned them down in the meantime because I don't want it to be all about ads. I want it to be about the amazing content. 
So the current production of this free show is primarily supported out of my own pocket on a weekly and monthly basis. And a small portion is being covered through the donations on Patreon. So I'd really appreciate it. Even $1 per episode is helpful. It really does make a difference. And you donate directly to the show. So everything you put in goes right back in to help produce higher quality and better, more frequent episodes. Thank you to Roma, my podcast audio producer. He does an amazing job on this show. And trust me, you don't want the raw file. It's good after he's run it through his magic and it always sounds amazing. Big thank you to those of you who have shared my podcast online. It's really always nice to see that people are enjoying the show and that it's bringing value to you. I also would love your feedback. I mean, maybe an hour is too long. Maybe you want to see more frequent episodes. I've been thinking about adding in one episode a week that's really short about just kind of what I've been up to because a lot of people have really enjoyed that. So send me a message. Let me know what you're thinking about the show because I always want to make it better for you. I'm actually home for a couple of weeks, which is rare, and I'm excited to be here because I've been doing garage renovations and trying to get things organized and unpacked because when you travel a lot, you're basically living out of a suitcase and your life is a mess of laundry and clutter and all these things. So it's nice to be home long enough to have time to actually get organized and also focus on other aspects of my business, which I mentioned before. Coming up, I'm going to be at Interbike, so if any of you are going to be there, reach out to me and maybe we can meet up and say hi. I'm also going to be going to California and speaking at the World Vegan Festival in San Francisco on October the 1st. So if you're in the Bay Area and you're interested in hearing about my journey as a plant-based human and a plant-based athlete and how to make positive changes in your life, make sure that you check that out and I'll put that link in the show notes as well. That's it for this week. I'm really excited about next week's guest. I can't tell you who it is right now, but I think you're really gonna like her. It's one of my favorite conversations. And wishing you all the best success in your training and your adventures. And we'll see you back here next week.